Behind the Shades, a podcast where I interview people who have overcome adversity. And from what we understand, Bernadette already overcame some adversity because she couldn't get on the podcast. But that's beside the point. Anyway, my second guest and my second podcast is my cousin, Bernadette Jameson. She has a, a great story to tell about how she overcame breast cancer. But my first question, Bernadette, to you is, I know you're one of 10, I'm one of six. Have you ever been in a fist fight? Hmm, with my siblings? No. Well, well, everybody <laughs> has gotten a fist fight with their siblings, but, you know, like outside of your family. Um, I don't, I don't remember. I don't think so. Honestly, fist, no. Shoving, sure. But, Ooh. yeah. When, when you were in college? No, no, no. Oh, sorry. When I was, when I was, uh, uh, I don't know, a elementary level. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. You're a badass. Yeah. Um, youngest of 10 will do that, Dennis. I hear you. Well, I mean, I guess youngest of 10, you had to be pretty tough then, right? Yes, I sure was. Okay. So Bernadette overcame, like I said, breast cancer, but I never really spoke to you about your ordeal. I mean, we were on a party bus in Italy a lot and there was a lot of wine going on. So we never really <laughs> had time to talk. But, right. So before you had breast cancer, you would go for like yearly mammograms, right? Um, before I was diagnosed? Right. No. Oh, okay. Because uh, then when would you go? Like, I, this is where I could help others, Dennis. Um, I honestly never had a mammogram. Um, yes. And I act, it actually, um, you know, I was in the throes of a mother of three with a traveling husband who at one point in my life had two, sometimes three jobs. And then you know, went down to two jobs. So I was very, very busy and I was taking care of everybody else but me. So, um, yeah, I, I honestly only went to doctors when I was down and out and not when I was, you know, healthy and going through week to week, month to month mom routine. So when did you decide, Hey, something's not right here. I need to go see a doctor. Right. Um, I first noticed something was up when I actually took over my son's um, gym membership because he went off to college and I just, you know, slid right into his gym membership and started to actually weight train and work out um, that way. Besides, you know, just running around like a, a mom with her, you know, as our, as our parents said, chicken with the head chopped off doing everything else. Um I started noticing some differences in my 
female parts. And one was looking really good and perky and the other was just not looking so hot. So I thought, hmm, something's up. Something's just not right. Now, of course, they say after having three kids and I, you know, breastfed each one of them, you know, you're not, your body's not going to be the same, but this was definitely a, you know, a very noticeable uh, change. So that's when I made an appointment with a um, GYN locally and got the ball rolling, so to speak. Did you, did you, you didn't have any pain? You just, it was more noticeable. Right. I didn't have any pain. No. Um, and it was just noticeable. One uh, breast was, you know, looking fine. The other was just not looking right. So did you, um, cause when you were younger, you were very active, right? You swam a lot. And, and, and so you were probably in pretty good shape to begin with. Right. Right. Yes, I was. But I also did, which, you know, after you're diagnosed and after, you know, hindsight, you look back and I couldn't figure out which every female looked at me like, oh, must be tough. But I couldn't figure out why I was losing weight. And I also couldn't gain it back. Mm. So when I was working out, like I said, and when I started to notice, I did say to this trainer that I knew, I just want to get rid of like my bones are shown. Like, look at this, like my shoulders, like just, I just was, I said, I just want to beef up here. And oh, oh, so tough. Like, you know, everybody was kind of being sarcastic about it, but it was the truth. And I had dropped the lowest weight I had ever been since probably, oh, eighth grade. <laughs> so- how old were you? Because you said that, but Stuart was what, 18? So were you like 36? Oh, you're so cute. That's so cute. No, <laughs> I I actually was 47 years old. Oh, 47. Yes. Okay. So did you lose energy? Um, you know, I probably did, but I didn't notice it because I was just really busy um, with at the time, I was a um, U.S. swim coach, which mm. people just think, oh, she coached swimming. Oh, you know, a couple days a week, you know, a couple hours a week. Now, it, if anyone knows what a U.S. swimming coach is, especially an age group coach, it's very time consuming and it's busy. And I just was on the go a lot. Plus, I like I said, I had, you know, at the time, Stuart, my oldest, was in college first year. And I had one in high school and one in middle school, but it was sixth grade, but she was still in elementary school. So I was busy. And again, my husband traveling, I just, you know, and with a job, I, I just didn't feel it because I was just, okay, I was in this mode, that mode, that whatever. I would find myself when I did have days off, I would go in and take a nap at like four o'clock, but it wasn't all the time. I couldn't. And um, I think what got me really was the fact that when we would go out to eat at restaurants, I nothing appealed to me. I just would look around and watch everybody eat. And I'm like, I'm not even that hungry, but I'm going to order just because everybody's ordering. I'm going to try to eat, but I was not, I had no appetite. And then I, like I said, just I couldn't put weight on. 
when, did, when I, did you finally, I mean, sorry to interrupt you, but okay. what, I, I mean, you would, most people at that point would say, you know what, something's wrong here, but do you think it was because, you know, you're half Italian, you're half Irish, you have a little bit of stubbornness in you that, ah, this is nothing, I can get exactly. over Exactly, exactly, yes, and also, too, is that I, um, that's my husband calling in. Uh -oh. um, yeah, like I, like I told him I was doing this, but whatever. We won't go there. We won't go there. But um, I think, yes, stubbornness. Plus also too, yes, I noticed something odd, but I never thought the big C word because it wasn't in my family. And I, I'm, I'm the youngest of, you know, six girls. So you would think maybe something would have come, you know, about with my other five sisters. Um, nothing. And so nothing it, in your family, like nothing in, I mean, I know from your dad's family was nothing. But right. on your mom's side, nothing? Um, I will say I, again, found out later um, because they keep things hush hush that generation. But I did find out that my mother's sister had breast cancer, but she was a nun and, you know, she just had it, you know, the lump removed and that was it. And they kept it quiet. They didn't tell anybody. I didn't know anything about it until that particular, I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but that particular Christmas, when I come up to visit, we were watching something on TV and my aunt, it was a parade of like, um, organ donors and you know they had pictures of the person that had passed and had donated their organ to them and we're watching this parade and my aunt says you know I can't um, donate any of my organs and I can't donate blood and I said oh um, Aunt Miriam why and she says because I had breast cancer and I was like deer in headlights because again I'm fast forwarding my story but I had just been diagnosed mm -hmm. and I didn't know anything about it. And I was like, well, I didn't tell my doctors that one, but I will when I go back to Florida. <laughs> so do you think if you had known that ahead of time that you would have gone to a doctor earlier when you started to have your symptoms? Possibly, possibly, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it is that, you know, she is my, in my bloodline, but um, also too is, you know, they say if you breastfeed your chances of getting breast cancer is, you know, and all of that, um, I wasn't overweight. I, you know, there was a lot of factors that I just could cross off. Like, nope, didn't pertain to me. Nope, didn't pertain right. to me. Right. So when you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you that it's the C word, what's your reaction to that? Well, it, I didn't, I got it over the phone, believe it or not. I didn't get it in person um, because what had happened with me is, I, when I went to the GYN, she, you know, did a breast exam. She had me go get a mammogram. When I got the mammogram, um, they wanted me to come back and get a biopsy a few days later. So they detected something on the mammogram and wanted to do a biopsy on it. So when I was in filling out the paperwork for the biopsy, um, the date that I had to write down was 11 
12, 13. Hmm. And I thought, hmm, I'm either going to really remember this date (laughs) because of just the way it all lines up, the numbers lined up. Um, So basically, I had the biopsy that day. And then they brought me in afterwards of after doing the biopsy and basically said, now, when we get the results from this biopsy, are you okay to for us to call you on it? I said, of course. And they said, uh, we could, is it okay to message you about it? Leave a message. I said, yes, of course. So the next day I missed the call because whatever I was doing and, um, they didn't leave a message. So I said to my husband, uh, oh, they didn't leave a message. Mm-hmm. So you, you would think if you're all good, they would leave a message. So he's like, I ah, don't read into it. Da, 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 da. Well, then the next day I actually received the call on the phone by the doctor that did the biopsy. And yes, he did tell me that it was cancer. It was a non-invasive. And he said to me, Mrs. Jamison, knowing you so far, I don't want you to act like, you know, you have, you know, Basically, he was like, do something about this sooner than later, but you do have time. But knowing your personality, you're I don't want you to go too far along. So um, I was in a daze right then and there. You're in a fog. You just can't believe what you just heard on the phone. Um, When I did hang up, um, I did. You know, my husband had come in the room, sat down on the chair. Alex had sat down on the chair and I told him and he first thing out of his mouth, I'll never forget this. He goes, well, this is a game changer. Mm-hmm. And yep. And I was like, oh, you know, and honestly, I the very first thought was. How am I going to fit this in my schedule? <laughs> you don't have Seriously. time for this. I have, I, I, exactly. That's <laughs> what my life was at the time. How yeah. am I going to do this? I, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and, you know, after I had let him know, I had to go out the door and go coach swim practice oh, for dear. three hours. And I did. Cause what else was I going to do? Sit there and, you know, shock, cry, whatever. I had two girls, you know, in the house. Uh, nope. So I went on to coach practice and then we kind of, you know, took matters in, you know, in the next couple of days, um, basically went to another GYN for an exam and referred me to her oncologist. And then that was an experience that I know my guardian angel said, you know, find another answer because he misdiagnosed me. Oh, geez. He read often. Yes. He read the pathology port wrong. Mm. And his treatment plan was chemo ASAP. And then they would do surgery afterwards. And that I had a very rare, you know, form of breast cancer and I was not, you know, um, a candidate for 
the medication later on and all that. And it, what he, I was in a daze. Basically, this cancer was very slow growing. Um, so Alex, my husband, was with me at the time, of course. After this appointment with this oncologist, meanwhile, when you walk out of his office, you see rooms where people are sitting there hooked up to, you know, their treatments. It was very, you know, very um, revealing, telling, just shocking. And I walked walked out of there. You got another podcast going? No, no, no. It's my phone. Gotcha. Sorry to interrupt. No problem. So I walked out of there in the parking lot. We're getting in the car. And I just looked at my husband. I said, this isn't right. Something's not right. Um, Rare. All of a sudden, I just have this rare. And none of my sisters had anything. None of my family. None of the females. What? And I just was, you know, I can't, I can't believe this kind of thing. And this is around Thanksgiving, obviously, given the date that I was, you know, Mm -hmm. diagnosed and we're coming into Thanksgiving and all that. And um, so I actually went and got a second opinion um, at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. Um, And she, I met with a surgeon, basically, in a nutshell, no, you don't have, it's not rare. You have the common, you know, HR positive, whatever. And I'm not going to get into all the specifics, but basically in a nutshell, it was, I would have, she recommended surgery first. Um, If I, if it wasn't in my lymph nodes, um, I could have reconstruction at the time as well. And then afterwards, chemotherapy, depending on if it was in my lymph nodes or not. And I said, well, wait a minute, what about, and I went back to the other oncologist diagnosis and she's like, no, right here, the pathology report says, and so, yeah. (laughs) So you were living in Florida and your family was in Pennsylvania. Yes. And so, and it was just you, Alex, uh, and your three kids. Correct. So how was that without having family around? Um. Honestly, it, it, I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it other than it just makes you stronger. Um, you become together as a couple and um, you deal with it, you know, firsthand. I have a very large family, as you know, and extended. And, you know, it's one of those things where um, I'd rather, my personality, I'd rather have done this there. Um, without all of the attention, the sad eyes, the, the they mean well, but at the same time, you just, um, and now I'm, I'm kind of a private person. I didn't want to be exposed and talked about or sympathized, uh, all that. So, um, and we at the time, I think, had been in Florida what would have that been? 10 years, mm. right? 10, that would have been 10 years. So I, we, we had a very um, close knit friends community, especially in the swim community, the families, 
um, the kids that I coached. So I had a lot of support down there, okay. a lot. So now you, you get the diagnosis and then how soon after the diagnosis do they do the surgery? Okay. So she was really good as far as I asked her, cause we had a trip planned to come up North Pennsylvania for Christmas that, that December. My kids were really looking forward to it. And I said, can we schedule the surgery after? And she's like, yeah, sure. And so my surgery date was January 8th. So we came up for Christmas. We did not tell a single person. No one knew. And we just went on, tried to have a, I didn't want it to be the Christmas that everybody found out that I had cancer and my kids were, you know, with their cousins and the talk and the everything. I did not want that for them. And honestly, I just was, it was my husband and I that knew Alex and I knew my, uh, I was assistant coach at the time. So the head coach knew. And because I wasn't going to be coming back to coach after the Christmas break and um, his boss knew. And one other person I consulted because I knew she could keep it to herself was one of my very good friends in Florida who now is an 11 time cancer survivor. Oh, wow. Yes. And I knew she could give me, you know, flat out truth and I could talk to her about it. And she was the only person, honestly, that I talked to before my surgery. Hey. Most of you know that I wrote a book, but for those who don't, my book is called As Far As The Eye Can See. It depicts my struggle while losing my vision. It is available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Now, back to the podcast. So, um, we went on Christmas as is. No one knew. Um... You know, in hindsight, people were like, I cannot believe you were like, I said, but if I went up there and and everybody knew I wouldn't have had the best Christmas and the best mindset to go into my surgery because we had a blast. We had family parties. We had uh, a great New Year's with my friends. None of them knew. (laughs) And if they knew, it probably wouldn't have been the same. Um, So we... One thing that was kind of funny in hindsight, a little stressful, but of course, when you deal with Pennsylvania and the snowstorms and all that, we actually had a little, because uh, we flew up, we were flying back. We actually had a little mishap with our flights, with the cancellations because of storms and all that. And we, I had to get back. I had to get back for the the pre-surgery testing and we were going to be late for that. So again, no one knew it. If, you know, if I didn't have to be back, we would have been like, ah, we'll stay an extra couple of days. What's the big deal? But no, I couldn't. And I had my surgery already scheduled and all that. So we actually flew out very late on a, a, with our two girls 
and our son had already gone back, I believe, because he was swimming. So um, we had we could only fly into Atlanta, and then from Atlanta we rented a car and drove back to Jacks, so I could get up the next morning and go in for my pre-testing. So, um, and then that night is when I told the girls, uh, my girls, um, because I wanted them to know, obviously. <laughs> Cause I was having surgery, uh, in two days. Uh, we did not tell our son who was at college until after I had the surgery. Didn't want to worry him, you know, being far away. That's not, I was just very protective. That's, that's just what a mom does, you know? And I just wanted to give everybody answers and my treatment plan when we knew it. And up until then, I just didn't want any inter interference or any distractions. So um, we didn't know it was going to be, it, we didn't know if it was in my lymph nodes or not. That was the major, major factor for me. Because if it's in your lymph nodes, you have a lot more complications. If it's not in your lymph nodes, then you know, everything can fall into place as far as reconstruction and your treatment and all that. And so my husband and I had a um, understanding that once I was in the recovery room, the first thing he had to do when he came to see me was give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And obviously the thumbs up was it's not in your lymph nodes. And so, um, that's what happened. I mean, after I woke up, the recovery nurse was spot on exactly what I needed. You know, Mrs. Jameson, it's four o'clock. The surgery went well. And then can I get your husband? And then he came back and gave me a thumbs up. And then after that, I just knew it was all good. It was all going to be good. I just had to go through, you know, the stages. And I, in the end, I would come out on top. And, and I have, so let me, let me go back a little bit to when, now you were saying that when you, uh, were working out and you had started to lose weight and then you go back, you get diagnosed, you go back home for Christmas with your family. They didn't notice that maybe you were a little thin or did anybody ask you about that? Or if you, if they did, did you just cover it up? Okay, well, I will tell you this. We we used to go up, we used to come up for Christmas, try to come up every year. Like that was our thing to do from Florida, come up for Christmas, get the kids together and all that. And I do remember some during that time prior. Again, this was a slow growing cancer. So they don't know how long I had it. But I was always very busy and I wasn't a big eater. So I was always on the thin side anyway, my entire life. So um, I do recall um, a couple of people approaching my husband, Alex at the time, but this wasn't this particular Christmas that she's looking really thin. Is she, you know, she's taking care of herself. She's working too hard, too many jobs, like whatever. Um, <laughs> You know, and I don't know. Um, I don't think no one mentioned anything about this particular visit before my surgery. The only one, my one sister did say, you two, what's with you two? You're really lovey-dovey. 
like you two aren't usually like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, you know, Alex was looking at me like, just, you know, keep it going. We got this, you know, just encouraging, but I guess he got caught a couple times. <laughs> I don't know, but hindsight people kind of come up and go, yeah, we thought something was up because you two are, you know, whatever. But how did your girls react when you told them, like, how old were they? And did they understand the concept of cancer? Um, right. I had at the time, my daughter, Mackenzie, was a junior in high school. And my daughter, Brooke, was um, sixth grade um, in Florida. Sixth grade is not middle school. So um, she was, you know, elementary. And I told them both, pulled them both into my bedroom and I told them, um, you know, first off, everything is fine. I'm going to be fine. And I told them, you know, that I had breast cancer and I was having surgery um, <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just didn't want to worry them. That's you just protect them, you know. And I just looked at both of them. One of them, of course, was crying. The other one was just staring at me. And then it, at the end of my little, you know, you know, talk with them, the other one's crying and the other one's okay. So basically I just told them, I want you to go on as is. Nothing is going to change. I don't want you to, you know, miss out. Uh, You know, it's going to be okay. The doctors have said, I'm going to be great. I'm going to be good. I just have to go through, you know, the surgery I will have to have chemotherapy and it depends on, you know, um, like I told them, it depends on my lymph nodes, how regimented the, the chemotherapy is going to be. And then we'll take it from there. Um, it's, it's good. I honestly was looking at them. I know this sounds so like, but it was a God's honest truth. I felt sorry for them because their mom, I didn't want, I didn't want to embarrass them. That's how I felt like, because people would be talking, Oh, there's their mother. She's got like, that's where I was thinking and where I was at with them. And I just um, thought I got to be strong for them. I got to make this look like it's, I'm not suffering. I'm not hurting. I'm not, I just, you know, try to, always be up and if I was in my room and I was tired I would go and lay down like I'd always put up a front for them because I wanted them to mentally feel good to keep going on and at the time um, my youngest Brooke she was in sixth grade I knew her teacher really well she was our old neighbor and she was the best support person for her to have. And, um, and then of course my daughter being a junior and very, very, um, outgoing and, you know, connected, she had a lot of friends and friend support. So, um, you know, it, it was, I told them both that we weren't telling Stuart and we weren't going to tell him till afterwards. My oldest, of course, Mackenzie's like, I think that's a mistake. I'm like, no, it's not. I'm calling the shots here. And I don't, he's alone and I don't want him worried. And so, um, 
you know, we let him know afterwards. But I honestly felt like everything fell into place very nicely. And it sounds so weird, but, and I will tell you this, I, the, the night I was diagnosed, um, of course, you know, my dad had passed away in Mm -hmm. 2011. Now this is 2013. And honestly, I never called on him for anything because I knew a lot of my other siblings were calling on him. Mm -hmm. So I, this is, I said, this is the only time I'm going to call on you. Just let me know somehow, some way that I'm going to come out on top. And this was really the, the night I found out because of course I was upset and all that, but, um, and that night, believe it or not, because I did talk to a, a family priest afterwards and he's like, you had an aberration, you had a visitation. That's not just a dream. So he, um, I prayed to him that night, that night I had a dream and he, my dad came to me and he put his arm around me. And I don't know if you got Italian kisses before on the cheek, but they don't just kiss once. They just go (laughs) multiple kisses on the cheek. And he laid them on me and I woke up and I sat up and I was like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And that's the very first time I had anything of my father, like as far as dreams or aberrations or whatever they're going to be called. And right then and there, that honestly gave me the strength to go through everything else I had to deal with. Cause I was just some way you were like, you're, you're like your dad while your dad was living right? Like your dad was very quiet and, but yes. and quiet. Do you think you got that from him? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Everyone says, you're just like your father. You're just like your father. Uh, my mother used to say it. Some of my sisters say it. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It just no. shows you, you, you know, you, you don't crave the attention. You do what's right. And you have an inner strength. And he gave me that inner strength. That is I, I am 100% um, positive that, that it, it, he, he came to me. And you have your surgery and then you start to lose from after the chemo, you start to lose your hair, right? Yeah. Um, at the time I had, and everybody can attest to this, a ton of hair. Like, I think I got the hair gene <laughs> in the <laughs> Savini family. I think I got them all. Um, but at the time they said, you know, um, I had, was going to have four rounds and they said, by the second round, you'll start to lose your hair. Um, I started after the first round, two weeks after that, I start it started coming out, not, you know, tremendously, but then after that week after week it was more and more and more yep and so the what's that is that upsetting um you know what i prepared for it with a friend of mine who like took me to this wig shop and this that and the other thing and i was like you know what i'm not going to go the wig route i was in florida at the time and 
of course, this at this particular time, I knew it was going to be February, March when I was going through it. And that's not so hot in Florida. But I also knew, I don't know, I, I'm just going to take it, you know, each treatment as they come and see what will happen. So I just really just got like cute head wear and not so, I mean, scarves, yes, but mostly these more stylish headwear kind of thing. And um, when I coached, I wore a, 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 you know, baseball cap anyway. Right. So underneath that, I would wear a bandana because the cap would, you know, irritate your mm-hmm. you know, balding scalp. Mm-hmm. And then I would just have this little braid, side braid, but each treatment my braid got thinner and thinner and thinner to the point where I couldn't really braid anything else and I will say I did not completely lose all my hair but at one point I did have Alex my husband just hey can we just let's just shave this because Mm -hmm. at the very end of treatment I was starting to get hair coming back in believe it or not at the top So I wanted it to all come back in, you know, the same way, (laughs) the same length. So he actually um, finished it off for me. And I must say, um, I have a pretty nice head. You have a nice I do. I really do. You look like Sinead O'Connor. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And seriously, if it was the style and if I had smaller features, because I have I have this Italian Savini nose and the big yeah, eyes yeah, and the yeah, yeah. whatever, I would I would one hundred percent rock it. I there would. you go. There you go. But I don't how have the did, features. <laughs> how did your kids when you're out in public and you are wearing a bandana? Um, I'm I knowing you, I know it didn't you didn't care, but did it affect your kids that people were looking at you or no? Um. I don't think so. I mean, if you, you don't know Mackenzie too well, my, my middle child, but she's one of those like rocket mom, like, you know, she was just all into it, thought I could, you know, I looked great or whatever. I do have a picture of Brooke and I at her uh, sixth grade graduation. And that was June. And I still had like this head wrap, but looked pretty healthy, you know, Um, but honestly, the only thing I did, I didn't go, I had to go to swim practice. I only skipped like a month, like I had my treatments on a Friday and then usually the next day you go in for, um, the booster, the, the Nolastin that kind of, you know, gets your bone marrow out fighting and all that. That's what really hurts you. Like it really wears you out. So by Monday, I would be kind of tired, but then Tuesday I would be back in the work. So they really didn't, I didn't really take too much time off as far as during my treatment. And I, I will tell you this, kids are so resilient and they're so, they're, they were my therapy. And I told the parents of my swimmers that I couldn't do this without these kids because they didn't care. You know, they cared about what was coming out of my mouth, not me physically. Like they cared about the coaching they were receiving and, you know, the instruction and all that versus me physically. Um, they were great. 
Um, as far as my own kids, they were fine. Um, I did take a little, it sounds terrible, but I did take a break from the church because I just didn't want to be that, you know, mom with her kids going to mass with, you know, I don't know. I felt close in my swim knit community to go to and back home. But as far as any other extra outings, I limited that time. And we bitter with God at all. What's that? Were you bitter at God? No, I never said, why me? I never did. Nope. I mean, I felt honestly, everybody has something, some cross to bear in life. And I'm like, okay, this is mine. All right. You know, I'll get through this. And um, no. And again, I think honestly, if I didn't have my, that visitation from my dad, that just was like, so really just empowering to me. I think I would have been a little bit more mental, but I wasn't. Um, got him to thank for that. That's for sure. So, okay. So you have the surgery, you do your chemo treatment and then, uh, what happens after that? You start to, your hair starts to grow back. You start get your, your strength back. You right. Right. Well, when I, it was funny when I was in setting up my chemo treatments, my oncologist tells the nurse practitioner, um, she can handle it. Uh, we're going to give her her treatments every two weeks. And she's like, you know, doctor, I don't think I'm not going to reveal his name. I, uh, we've never done that. And he goes, uh, she can handle it. And she's like, she's like looking at me, looking at him. And then, cause she had to schedule them in. He leaves the room and she goes, Bernadette, I can't do that to you. No, um, you're going to have them every three weeks, like everybody else. And you're going to have four of them. And I'm like, okay, uh, whatever you think is best. She goes, yeah, I just think that's too much. And I'm like, okay. So I guess he saw the strength in me and he knew the regimen that I was having that wasn't as intense, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then what they allow you to do is at Mayo Clinic, they set it up like beautifully. You have your surgery and then you have four to six weeks before your chemotherapy treatment. And then after your chemotherapy treatment, you have four to six weeks to do radiation if radiation is necessary. So after my surgery, it, I was ready for chemotherapy in the, you know, three, four weeks. Um, I scheduled that in and then my radiation oncologist said to me because of the size of my tumor, which was five centimeters, which is on the fence of being, you know, large and requiring radiation. She's like, it's really up to you to decide if you want it or not. And I just said to her, well, if this was you, what would you do? And she said, I'd have it. And I said, well, then I'll do it. So um, I had, I think 27 treatments. Um, it was supposed to be originally like 31 or something like that. They bumped it down to 27 and they weren't as intense towards the end. And um, 
you know, they were just every day for about five weeks and, you know, going across the bridge Mayo Clinic, which was just part of my routine. And I just did it. Um, but, you know, some of the songs that they played while you're getting the treatment, they allow you have like uh, music playing. They're like, what, what genre you're like? I'm like the eighties, put the eighties on. So there's certain songs now when I hear from, from oh, my sure. treat, yeah, they bring back memories, but you know, girls just want to have fun I'm <laughs> laying on the table, being zapped. I'm like, well, nothing compared, nothing compares to you. Was that playing by Sinead O'Connor? No, no. I think they try to be a little bit upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not what, sure stage, what stage breast cancer did you have? Um, my breast cancer in my right was stage two. And they did find one in my left as well. Normally when you have in one breast, it's nine times out of 10, it's going to be in the other one. Mm -hmm. So um, there was one small one in my left. Um, that was stage one but none in my lymph. They took four lymph nodes out on my right arm, under my right arm, and three under my left. Um, the sentinel node is like the detector, you know, like once it gets past that, they, you know, if it's in that one, it's in the other, some of the others, you have to go further. But, you know, it wasn't in my sentinel node, but this doctor, she, she just wanted to make sure. So she went and took out more oh. and, you know, it's fine. It, it, you know, she was very thorough because I think she couldn't figure out, man, she's got it in the right. She's got it in the left, but she doesn't have it in her nodes. Mm -hmm. And uh, that, I think, stumped her a little bit. And then um, when they, you know, like when they have surgery, when you have surgery at Mayo, they actually test those nodes right then and there. So I could mm -hmm. move forward or not with reconstruction. Mm -hmm. And so pathology comes right back for them and they could, you know, I was good to go for reconstruction right there on the table. And, um, but she sees me later and says, I'm still going to have them retest those nodes. Cause she just was, you know, wanted to be watched cause I'm 90% sure they're 90% sure, but I want a hundred. I'm like, okay. And then she gave, she, you know, she called me later a couple days after the surgery and said that they were completely clear. So, um, you know, that was, I, I'm glad she was very thorough, but when, you know, when you get a thumbs up from your husband and then you're like, well, I don't know if it should be a thumbs up, you know, you're kind of like, right. But, Did you experience any complications after, not so much after the surgery, but after your irradiation was done? Yes. Uh, well, not too bad, but they actually said it was like a delayed reaction that I got like um, uh, swelling, edema in my feet and um, legs, like just water retention big time that I've never had before. And that just, you know, they just put me on some Lasix to um, get rid of that. And then... Um, Nothing else really, um, I, and I guess because I was pretty healthy going in um, mm -hmm. and that I didn't really have anything major, um, you know, like what do they test for? What is that um, in your arm? I'm drawing a blank on the name of it, but 
the women get it, um, the swelling in the arms and all that. Now they test for that. They, um, it could have gone, it could have, I could have had complications, but at least, um, you know, I came out okay on that end. Are you in any groups like, uh, like breast, breast buddies or booby pal? Like, I don't know what you call these <laughs> groups. Are you in any of that? It's called, it's, Jesus, Dennis, it's called booby buds. Booby buds. <laughs> I should have thought of the alliteration. I'm sorry. I know. I know. No, actually, that is um, something I did not do. I, I honestly, I, I started and then I removed myself because I just found that it was a lot of women complaining about a lot. Mm. And I'm, I don't know. I just, I just couldn't get into it. I, it just, I didn't, I didn't think I really needed a support group per se. I had a lot of support around me and you know, sometimes you just don't know who you're going to be talking with. And women that complain to me, they, they bother me. It just bothers me. And I just didn't want to go there. I didn't read anything. I didn't Google anything. I didn't reach out. The only, like I told you, I only reached out to one person, my bud, Judy in Florida, that could, you know, give it to me straight. And then... um you know, they give you books and brochures and all that at Mayo Clinic. I didn't open up a darn thing. All I did was listen to my doctors, you know, the nurses, anything positive that they told me, that was my mental fuel. And then I just kept going on day to day life and just got got through it. Yeah, and then that's, that's maybe, well, that kind of negative stuff can cloud you. And bring you down. And I, 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 you know, I just didn't want to be down. Right. So you, you get over your cancer, you move back to Pennsylvania and then something awesome happened to you in your life. Right. Um. <laughs> Let me give you a hint. Uh, had something to do with Stuart and his wife. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but you know what, Dennis? If you say that, then the others might get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> because like my other daughters would be like, well, what about me and my, and what I did? And the, you know, so right, well, yeah. let, me, let me think about, okay. Mackenzie's in Brooklyn. Yes. And she's doing great. And Brooke is going to Penn state and she's doing awesome. Yes. But Stuart, and Alexandra, is that her name? It, yes, it's Alexandra. Right. But she goes by Lexi. Lexi, yes. okay. Mm -hmm. They had a child. You're a grandmother now. Yes, I am a grandmother. Yes, I am. And how does that feel? It, It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, you know, honestly, prior to getting sick and all that, if someone, you know, talk to me about being a grandmother. I'm like, Oh my God, no. Or getting older. Oh my God, no. And now it's just, you look at life just totally different. Um, it's no more about you. It's just about the experiences, the, um, 
the good, the positives you got to focus on. And yes, I, um, I get little videos of her name is Tessa and she's eight months old and I get little videos of her here and there. And it's just like, I laugh, a happy tear cry. I miss, you know, being around her, of course, but I figure she doesn't really know <laughs> she's only eight months, but, um, you know, it's, uh, I'm just happy for him and, and Lexi, of course. And, um, it's definitely something to smile about every day, of course. Well, I mean, I just want to tell you, I mean, you are a very special person. I know that a lot of people who had gone through something like you did would not have the positive attitude and outlook and you continue to carry it. And I, you know, just from listening from you, I can't say I was as positive as you were. Maybe if I was, I wouldn't be so bitter now I'm not, but if I wasn't so bitter, but I really do appreciate you sharing your story. You really are one tough girl. And um, it shows that you really aren't a selfish person because most people that would have gone through what you went through would have been thinking of themselves. And here you are thinking of your kids, uh, your son, your, your daughters, your husband, your sisters, your brothers. You're more concerned about them than you were about yourself. And that's a special quality to have. Well, thank you, Dennis. That, well, it, I mean, honestly, it's, I can honestly say that that's the person I have become. When you become a mother, that's what you do. You just, you know, that's it. It's not, it's no longer about you. It's about who you brought into this world and, um, you know, the responsibilities that go with that. And, but if, if you knew me as a teenager, <laughs> now I was all about me, of course, and spoiled and totally different. Um, but glad I'm not that person anymore. That's for sure. Well, I just want to say out of all of my cousins, you are one of them. And I appreciate you. That was a joke. You could laugh. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you sharing your story. And I uh, can't wait to be around you guys in Italy. And uh, I love you. Well, I love you too. And when when is Patty going to do a podcast on you for your adversity? I wrote a book. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't need anybody. Been there, done that. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'm talking to other people now. I already put my story out there. So, anyway, all right. Talk to you later. All right. Buddy, thank you very much. Uh, no problem. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye. Can't you see, this is the life for me.